Will DeFi replace traditional finance? Will Bitcoin ordinals cause Bitcoin transaction fees to skyrocket? And is this the end of the US dollar as the world's dominant currency? Today, we welcome Mate Greenspan of Quantum Economics back to the show to answer these questions and discover how a simple Bitcoin price prediction may or may not have caused a $2,000 spike within hours. We're here for cutting edge info you can use wrapped in quantum silliness. This is episode number 680 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Who's bad? before it's quantum right if we're before quantum physics and quantum computing what's the current terminology for well, they just call it physics right just physics i think so i don't know if there's a there's maybe there is another term but what is it called before you eat the corn before it digests what is it it digests which is still corn what do you yes. call it after it's still corn <laughs> quantum corniness Corn is corn, any way that you slice it. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, crypto serious. Over 10 million downloads well into our sixth year. In fact, July 18th will mark six years of doing this silliness with Sir Lord Travis Wright. There's no sign of stopping. Sorry, not sorry. You know, we keep seeing the technologies. We keep finding ways that they work, and we want to explain them to you as we are figuring them out ourselves. There's a lot of stuff that's going on, and and it just feels like this conversation is going to even validate that. It just feels like we are edging up out of this bull, out of this bear market into another another big bull run potentially. So we're about to. It's about to go boom. Not financial advice, but it should be good. To, should be fun to pay attention to. Well, you know, it's been years since Mate has been on the show and this interview was really triggered by a tweet that I saw him make. And we're going to share more about that. In Wait, you were interview. triggered? You got triggered? I got triggered. Oh man, Joel got triggered. I can't handle it anymore. Go listen to this interview. And it's been a long time since this person has graced the Bad Crypto podcast here at the Republic of Bad Cryptopia. The last time that Mati Greenspan was with us. Oh, you don't go Mati, right? You go by Maddie, right? Mati, correct. You do go by Mati. All right, let me do that. People say Maddie. I don't correct people unless you ask. You go with Mati. Okay. Take two. And it's been a long time since this guest has graced us here at the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, as I can pull up for those of you watching the visual version. It was October 14th, 2019, episode number 320, that Mate Greenspan, who was with eToro at the time, came on the show and talked all things Bitcoin and cryptos with us. He is now free of the corporate shackles. And he is the founder of his company, which is Quantum Economics. And we're going to talk again about Bitcoin and cryptos and things. Mate, welcome back to the show, sir. Thanks for having me, dudes. Yeah, yeah and this is actually, Joel, this is not the last time we talked to him. Uh, we, he was on the Virtual Blockchain Week as well. So we interviewed him on that for an episode. But we had like 
we had so many awesome people on that, and Mati was just another one of the awesome people. And he's been doing some stuff with quantum economics now and making some pretty good calls. In fact, you mentioned to me, you said, dude, Mati said that on Thursday we're probably going to hit 31,000 or something, and then we did. And so yeah, Matthew's so- either a soothsayer or a Nostra dumbass. One of the two. <laughs> let's uh, let's give context to this because the show airs a little later on April 10th. He posted that uh, in t- 10th, I believe it was a Monday, that Bitcoin would be 33,000 by Thursday. And at that time, it was 28,000. Over the next two, I, I want to say 10 hours, Bitcoin went up $2,000. And I tweeted, and I'm like, what? Because we've been going sideways for weeks. And all of a for sudden, three weeks, yeah. us, and it goes up. What? What happened? Yeah. No, I don't. Um, well, as I probably told you before, I don't predict what's going to happen. I don't predict, predict the future. I don't know. And um, the disclaimer comes to mind. Past performance does not indicate future results. And anybody who tells you that they can tell you what's going to happen in the future is, is certainly lying, including myself. So um, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I, I I've been toying with price calls since I left eToro. I mean, obviously, uh, at eToro and with a financial license, um, there was always this, you, you cannot be wrong attitude. And therefore, um, you know, just don't predict what the future and you won't be wrong. You'll be okay. Uh, so lately, I've been um, advising on this platform called Wubits, which uh, is the link that you showed there on my Twitter portfolio. And um, it's basically a social network for Web3 with uh, smart contract enhanced monetization methods. And actually, they even just put in uh, real easy to use GPT and uh, Dolly photos. So you could like just making it easier for creators to, to use these tools. And they have this feature called price calls. So this is just me like testing out that feature. And um, yeah, there I am with the serial head NFT. Okay, it's like another that, social network that we need to sign up for. and uh... <laughs> It's the next generation social platform for Web3 enthusiasts, Joel. Nerds. The, 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 the uh, CEO, Albert, every time he tells me something, like I hear, I hear Elon Musk saying it like two weeks later. I don't, I don't know how he does it. He, you know, he's just ahead of the game. Mm, that sounds good. We'll have, to take, we'll have to keep an eye on that for sure. But we've been keeping an eye on you. So, so tell us, you know, a lot of people are saying that, hey, you know, we are, again, past performance does not indicate future results, but we are uh, uh, one year away from the having ballpark-ish, right? That tends to seem to be the time when things start working its mojo, baby. So what do you, what do you think? Where are we in the time scale? 2021 was good for a lot of us. 2022 was not so great. 2023 started out, man, it's starting to look better. It's starting to look like that beginning sniffings of that next bull run, baby. 2023 started out, I think, the best year for Bitcoin ever in January. Mm. And it went up like 40%, I think, in January. Don't quote me on the number, but I'm pretty sure that was around that ballpark. It Um, looks like we were around 16.5 at the turn of the year. And as of uh, this recording is happening on the 19th of April, 2023, Bitcoin is currently down a little bit from where it was uh, yesterday, 29,290. Is uh, is it because the SEC, Gary Gensler and all this crazy silliness, is that spooking people? Well, I, I, uh, you mean, why is it down today? Actually, I think that 
today and yesterday and the, like the last few days um, is kind of trading in a range, literally. Um, but I do believe that the banking crisis added fuel to the fire. I, January was just anomaly. Like the, the year just started out with a bang. Like there's no right. real literal explanation for it other than the price was low. Look at the average prices people were buying. Um, then when the banking crisis hit, I think that that gave it an additional boost to Bitcoin because obviously Bitcoin is the alternative to banks and governments who are causing all the problems, people losing faith in the U.S. dollar. Um, you know, now we have uh, Russia and China, Saudi Arabia and Iran all making friends, uh, which is very uncanny and a bit scary. Um, and uh, that's all bad news for the buck. And, and that makes people want to flee the ship. Best way to do it. Best way. You know, what was interesting to me, and I don't even I don't even think Joel and I have even mentioned this at all or chatted about it yet. But uh, I was watching a thing about Gary Gensler, and he was talking about regulating crypto, but he's never actually used an L1 platform. He's never actually used crypto, and here he is regulating it. That's like saying, I'm going to get on the Facebook, but it's the internet, and I ain't liking it, so I'm going to vote against it because I'm, you know, it's just weird to me. You know what I mean? And hello, friend. We have a new friend on the podcast. What is up? This is Or. Or. He's four years old. He's been four since he was two years old, and he has his own YouTube channel where he plays Roblox. Awesome. Oh, very nice. When he turns five, are you going to call him Ive? Ive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 I got it. Yeah. No, I I thought that it was amazing how Gary Gensler could not answer answer a simple question. Like, you know, they're they're asking him, "Is Ethereum?" A security or a commodity. It's it's got to be one or the other. It can't be both, right? And, and he wouldn't answer Wait, either Joel one. Travis, can I talk to him? Yeah. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. Nice to see you there, Or. And if you're tuning in, listening in the podcast, you don't see there's this awesome little uh, Mati Junior basically hanging out here on the TV. Wait, what do you think, Or? What do you think about Bitcoin? Yeah. Yeah. Is it cheap? <laughs> is it is it expensive? Or is it cheap? Expensive. It's expensive. Uh oh. Uh oh. Is that a sell signal right there? Is that, that is right there? <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Sell Mortimer. All right, go watch on the move. Go watch TV. So you know we're talking about Gensler and the SEC and him not you know him just being bad as you know a chairman of the sec and we've got people that are calling for uh for his resignation of course none of these people in this administration ever resign no matter how disgraceful they are they they stick around and do more destruction so in the united states that's true yes yeah in the u.s it's i've seen i've seen uk politicians well well it didn't go my way so let me resign <laughs> like, yeah. little yeah. It's a little bit different over there with that, mate. But what's interesting to me about Gary Gensler and the regulation of this whole thing, not having used it, Janet Yellen really not familiar, all that much, has not really used it. From what I understand, Elizabeth Warren hasn't really used it. But how, So how are they going to, how do they in, in all consciousness feel like they can regulate it if they don't even know anything about it? No, no, no. Regulate implies that they're trying to help make sure that it works properly and that everybody's doing it properly. 
there isn't a way to regulate it. Literally, Bitcoin was invented as a way to uh, transact without the need of uh, banks and without the need of the government. And quite frankly, they can do whatever they want with it because we now have the power to do whatever we want with it. Right. I, I want to I get to that in a minute and get a take on this. But, you know, to set the stage for it in the last few months this year, you know, we've had all kinds of horrible things happen in the financial markets. And most recently, Signature and SVB have really alerted us to what's going on with uh, with the banks. From your perspective, what triggered that? What caused that? Oh, that is actually a very good question, Joel. And um, I point my finger directly at the Fed and uh, Jerome, under Jerome Powell's leadership. And if you look at it, actually, what happened was that SVB bought bonds, long-dated bonds, meaning that they bought them in 2021, money was flowing in, they didn't really know what to do with that money, but they had to park it somewhere. And the Fed at that time was saying, long-term bonds are a good investment because we're going to keep the interest rates low for a very long time. The Fed was literally telling them this at that time. And then the Federal Reserve switched their attitude within a three-month time period from very cheap money to very expensive money, and they raised interest rates at one of the fastest clips in history of the U.S. of the United States. So basically, they they basically rugged SVB, like literally they told them you should buy these bonds. It's a good move right now. And then once those bonds got expensive, the yield of the bond goes up. And when a yield of a bond goes up, the price of the bond goes down. So if you're holding several billion dollars worth of bonds and the yield spikes on you, the value of those assets plummets, right? So basically they, the, the, it created a large hole in their balance sheet. And when people got wind of that hole, you know, people do what people do. They say, wait a second, if everybody tries to cash out now, they're not going to have enough money. This is a run on the bank. This is basically, we know the psychology of it. Um, it's basically this, the, the same psychology that led to the toilet paper crisis of COVID, right? It's like, you know, there's probably enough toilet paper out there, but my dumbass neighbor, right? He's going to think there isn't enough toilet paper. So I better run to the store before he does, because if I don't, I'm wiping with my hand. You know? you know, you can use leaves like before <laughs> wow. your hand there. And, you know, Got plenty of them over a T-shirt. I mean, you, you went right to the hand and I'm like, come on, yeah. there's, there's a lot of in-betweens there. Dude, you I, be I got like two bidets in my house. I don't even use them. I'm like, but it seems like a bidet seems like a much better solution than a hand. Because well, uh, <laughs> then they get it under your fingernails and that's just a whole other uh, scenario. You don't want to go there. Man. So you know what? I actually talk about the bonds and stuff because we had the conversation. We had Tika Tuwari on our show in January and I asked some questions. He was busting my balls and he was like, no, man, because you want to put your money in bonds, the the yield on them. You're like, like right now we want to, we literally were hedging our bets. He was talking about T-bills and bonds and because of the, the, the one month bonds or the whatever, because there was value in that. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, dude, we're like near the end. Like the dollars looks to me like it's near the end of the life cycle of paper money. Like the world economy is teetering. We just had, you know, the UK, the Bank of England saying that they are insolvent. Right. And there's some crazy stuff going down. And like, what? You know, he was like, oh. 
bonds or whatever. And I was like, really? And then he acted like I was an idiot. And so I was like, okay, well, we were sitting face to face too. And I was like, and then here we are. We've not, we've not really recommunicated with him after the fact and be like, well, SVB just shit the bed, yo. And they were doing the bond thing like oh, you that was just before SVB. <laughs> but they, yeah, it was, it was a couple months before SVB, VB, but it wasn't, it wasn't the, um, they weren't, I think they weren't, they were, he was, he was talking the short one month ones or the three month ones, not the long term ones. So maybe the yield is a little different on those, but I was just like, it just, man, I just never had faith in the system since I learned about the corruption in July of 2000. When yeah. I learned that paper money is fractional ownership and I, I thought the stock market was a little wonky. I thought things are going to be start rug pull. I just learned I was red pilled a little too early. Well, let me give you some 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 much needed com, uh, confirmation bias, Travis. Um, when you're buying a bond, essentially what you're doing is you're lending money to the government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know if you are familiar with the government. They're not very good with money. Like, I don't know if I heard about that or not, but it seems to me like literally more than thirty trillion dollars in debt. And it just yeah, how do, how is it that you take everyone forty percent of everyone's salaries and you're still thirty trillion in debt? Like yeah, seems uh, like the government needs a money manager better. With all due respect to, to Tika, I would not buy bonds if you put a, gu a gun to my head. I don't know what the government is doing with that money. I don't know where it's going. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm yeah, like you mentioned, I'm I'm mad enough of that I have to pay taxes. So um no, giving them more money it doesn't it doesn't really compute for me. Um think about this. Uh the president of the United States is in power for four to eight years. He is a, he is able to buy to borrow money for 50 years or more. His direct incentive is to borrow as much money that he can without worrying about how it's going to be paid back. Right. This is a system you want to lend money to? Not me. Right. That's good. I'm out. Like, literally, there are a, a million better investments than that. So the dollar is, is struggling. The U.S. government is struggling to have regulation around crypto. They're scared of crypto. You've got some predictions about what's coming next. And I want to I want to take them one at a time as I'm reading them here in the written word. Let's just tackle these. The first one is that um, DeFi will completely replace traditional finance. Isn't this hopium? Like there's so much power in the governments in the Fed. Isn't this hopium? No, no. See, Joel and Travis, you guys live in a bubble called the United States. Yep. I mean, even Puerto Rico is part of that bubble. Yeah. There's a whole other world out there. So okay. the United States is regulatory, the regulatory unfriendliness or harshness or however you want to call it, their uncertainty that they're doing on purpose in order to try and squash it. That is not hurting crypto. That's hurting right. the dollar. All right. This is, I mean, if, I don't see any other way to see it. The dollar is supposed to be a global reserve currency. They've weaponized the dollar by kicking Russia off of the system. That hurts Russia in the temporary, but it also hurts the dollar because the dollar is no longer a global currency. I can't transact from the United States to Iran in dollars, even if I really want to, even if I have a relative there, even if I have want to support somebody who's protesting the Iranian government, I cannot send them money, literally, not with US dollars. But I can send them Bitcoin. Right. So they haven't they basically uh, harmed the dollar's utility uh, by kicking Russia off the system, by kicking Iran off the system and several other countries. 
by fighting, having a silly spat with China, um, a, potentially a proxy war. I don't know if you want to even go there. Uh, but now this war with crypto, um, I don't know if you know this, but 45% of Nigerians are already using crypto. I mean, adoption rates are, are, are 30, 40% in a lot of developing countries. They've just basically cut off all of that business and all of that transaction ability with the U.S. dollar. That just limits the dollar's utility even further. It doesn't limit crypto because crypto is borderless. Right. That's one of the things. So my girl is in is in Russia. So I can't send her like how money like I might be had used to in the past. But what I can do is I can send Ethereum or I can send, so they still have access to Binance over there. That's really the only solution. They don't have access to MoneyGram. They don't have access to PaySend, PayPal, any of that other stuff. The only way you can get money in and out of there now is with crypto. And so that right there is an interesting challenge for for them. However, whenever the, the war started in uh, in Ukraine, I was like, OK, wow, the value of the of the ruble plummeted. And it was like one dollar was one hundred and twenty rubles. Now one dollar is like 50 something rubles. I want at that moment, like, dude, let me load up on, you know, digital rubles. How do I, how do I, how do I get ruble stable coins? Right. How do I? And so that's where there's a problem is, is that I can only get stable coins in us dollar, USDT, USDC. Where's the USD? Where's the Euro D? Where's the Euro C? Where's the Yuan T? Where's the ruble C? Like, I need these. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's almost like it would seem to me that a stable coin would be even more stable if it was a basket of currencies and it was like there's a little bit of gold, there's a little bit of dollars, there's a little bit of yuan, there's a little bit of rubles, there's a little bit of, you know, whatever, uh, rupees, like BRICS currencies. Like what is the best sort of hedge now? Because we're like, oh, we're going to just put them in your stable coin. And you're like, then your stable coin happens to what happened to USDC. And oh, Circle has too much, you know, uh, doesn't have enough liquidity in, in SVB Bank. And so now that's going down. And so, well, you don't want to keep it there. What happens if that goes away? Oh, put it in Bitcoin. Well, what happens if the price of Bitcoin goes down 15, 20%? Like, it's like, like, Really, it's a weird time to try to even figure out how to hedge your bet on some of this stuff. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, fiat currencies are intentionally designed to lose value over time. I mean, whenever somebody's trading the Forex market or foreign exchange, um, they're basically betting on which one is going to fall the fastest. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's a weird game. What a world, huh? Like, all the countries I think this one's going to fail the most. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> the countries are, are incentivized to devalue their currency, A, because it promotes exports, meaning, you know, if you um, are selling, if you're Switzerland and you're selling watches and, you know, the, the franc goes down, your watches are suddenly cheaper elsewhere, right? Um, it also devalues the debt that they have in their own currency. So countries are, are incentivized specifically. They don't even try to hide it. They call it inflation. I mean, it's we believe that inflation should be 2%. Why? You want your value of your currency to go down? So yes, uh, Bitcoin is designed to go up in value over time. So if you're mm -hmm. talking about saving, um, I mean, obviously it's volatile in the short term, but if you're thinking about a period of anything longer than three or four years, um, I think that, the, that the, the choice is obvious over there. But as far as um, you know, decentralized finance, which was, I mean, kind of the, 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 the topic at hand, um, I believe that um, the FTX Celsius um, and have, have highlighted 
something seriously wrong with the way that capital markets work. And it's not only them. I mean, we can name like Bernie Madoff. Um, we can name like Deutsche Bank and uh, Credit Suisse. And all of a sudden, like just as they're in trouble, they get hit with these massive fines, right? They're always doing shady shit. And with decentralized finance, I mean, for the first time, we can actually see everything on the blockchain. We can see all, we can trace all the transactions, even if we don't know who they belong to. And we can see where the money's going, how the contract, the smart contract is designed to work, right? Nobody can trick the blockchain and funnel money out the back end without some auditor going, hey, wait a second, where the hell is that money going, right? So yes, it's experimental in the beginning because you're playing with new economic models, um, things get broken, but over time, those smart contracts get battle tested. And every time that a hack or a leak or something happens, the system gets stronger. Right now, it's not necessarily stronger than a traditional financial bank. I think that if you're holding a large amount of money, I personally at this point would not hold more than $100,000 in stable coins. It makes no sense. You have so many risks and none of the extra returns that you would yeah. We, we often wonder if the domino is going to fall on USDC or USDT. So yeah. we just had a, a guest recently on the show, our friend Clinton Donnelly, who's a crypto tax accountant and, and uh, lawyer from, uh, you know, understanding the um, uh, lit um, regulation, you know, that's going down. And he his take on this is that the U.S. is not going to lose dominance because the U.S. is a bully. They've put laws in place that make all the rest of the world report back on what U.S. citizens are doing and that they're doing everything they're doing to crypto is not to drive crypto out, but to put it under the umbrella of the brokerages that exist. The reason that they're not creating regulation, according to Clinton, is because they're instead going to enforcement and that they are going to treat crypto like securities and that you will go to Schwab or Fidelity or wherever to buy your Bitcoin, Ethereum or any other coins. And they want all of the money from the world pouring into those brokerages in the U.S. They, they're actually encouraging crypto. They just want it done their way where it's under their control. But you say that the U.S. dollar will not remain the global reserve currency. So make those jive. I mean, have you not seen the movie Nerds like, <laughs> or any other movie where there's a bully that comes out at the beginning? We know how this ends. Like, there's one bully and there's the rest of the class. Like, literally, at some point, they're just going to band together and say, we don't need the bully anymore and go play somewhere else or get their revenge because they're smarter than him. Um, not that the people in the U.S. government are stupid. Gary Gensler is, is in no way a fool. Um, nor was Jay Clayton before him, but there's a revolving door. These type of people that are in power, they're always thinking about what are they going to do next? He's not thinking about his chair right now. He's thinking about what's his next job, right? He's thinking about how he's building his, his application. Jay Clayton, the previous, uh, the previous SEC chairman, you know what he does now? You know what he did like as of a, several months after he quit or he was fired from the SEC? Hi, hi, he his three company. In a Web3 investment firm, literally, as soon as he walked out, he's like, hey, look, look at my qualifications, pay me. All right. So um, these people's incentives are not aligned for the good of the people. They're not aligned for the good of the nation. They're aligned for themselves. They, they're, self, uh, they're selfish actors in a, in a grander system. And they can't possibly, um, they can't possibly work together 
towards a common goal. Um, you know, people say Gary Gensler and Elizabeth Warren, but look at like the people who are standing up for for crypto, like uh, Patrick McHenry and Tom Ember, right? I mean, we all we saw them flaying Gary Gensler live. But so, um, you know, they're they're, they're the and especially within the United States, the political divide keeps getting wider and wider. It's going to be harder and harder for them to get together and actually create meaningful legislation. The only thing that Gary Gensler can do is stall. Eventually, he'll be out, whether he's kicked out or he quits or he's just his term is over. There will be somebody else. And that other person might continue his line of thought, but it might be in their best interest to go along with crypto. We'll see when that happens. In the meantime, um, there's, a, you know, uh, I want to I want to quote Lou Kerner, who's uh, the uh, uh, head crypto analyst at, at uh, Quantum Economics. He says, I try to spend about as much time thinking about regulators as they think about as they spend thinking about me. That's great. That's great. So we've been really trying to hedge our bets and trying to figure out what is the best way to sort of hedge our bets as we are, you know, in the bear market, moving into the, the bull market. And I got to give it to Joel because Joel did really good. He bought a bunch of eggs at six cents and then he <laughs> sold them at 60 cents. Dude, he 10 eggs his money. It was excellent. There, you, was, what was is this cold storage or, or what? Well, they're they're from 2020 eggs. They're not so good, but I mean they're you, they don't know. You can't tell when you're buying them. Like, right. <laughs> you can't tell until you open it up and you're like, yeah, why they, is this brown? They were they were they were worth at least 50x when you threw them at your neighbor's house, right? <laughs> you know, I'm looking back at all of those Halloweens where I was egging people's houses and I was like, this was not cost-effective analysis. Where was quantum economics back in those days? They were not around. So, um, wait, so, did you just miss the opportunity to say quantum economics? I kind of did say it. I kind of said economics, but uh, it still kind of sounded like yeah. So, yeah, this is this is a good time. The stuff is going on right now. So what? So putting on your hat that doesn't. Uh, it's not the hat that's telling us the future because you don't see the future. You're not Nostradamus. You're the guy who's going to say, well, maybe this is that, maybe that. So where are we in the grand scheme of things now? Like, because this looks to us like this chart, what it's doing right now, it's looking pretty healthy. It, it is, but also it is looking, uh, as my son said, over uh, overbought, or he said expensive. Okay. And, um, literally, I mean, if we zoom way the flip out, right, and think about the block having in, in, in a year from now or so, mm -hmm. Right. And then we if we try to flip the log scale, obviously, the long term trajectory is upward. And especially if we think about digital scarcity and um, all of those type of things yeah. fundamentally. However, um, this is a daily chart where each candlestick is one day. Right. Uh, the blue line here is the average price over the last 200 days. And the red line is the average price over the last 50 days. Um, so basically, we can see that we're extremely high over the 200-day average. Right. right? So it is expensive right now. Do you know and when it crosses, that's a good time to buy, right? That's like, oh, you can exactly, see where it crosses right yeah. there. You're picking yeah. up on the golden cross right over here, yeah, which is yeah. the short term moves over the long term, which is the opposite of a death cross, which happened over here. And we've been going right. down pretty much in the bear market. So this is a very bullish indicator right over here. And it has indeed played out. Um, however, I mean, reversion to the mean would probably not be unexpected. If we try to draw like a line of support, even if we assume, like, let's disregard this one over here, right? And then like, you know, create a channel, 
right? Upward channel, but this is a very aggressive upward channel. I think that if we kind of do take into account, like we have a kind of a wider channel here that we could say, this, this kind of makes sense. So like a reversion over here would not be surprising 25K or whatnot, right? Or even, you know, touch, touch the red line, possibly come towards the blue line, wait around here a little bit, let the blue line catch up, something like that. But obviously, I mean, these type of things, uh, they do all, I mean, this is technical analysis. Yeah, so, and, yeah. and for yeah, those of you listening, you might not have any idea what he's talking about. You might want to go over to YouTube Rumble or Odyssey to see the video mm -hmm. version of this so you can see. The but Joel, I want, I want to ask this, is that what was it, Mati, that you saw on that one day where Joel said, oh, it's 28, it's going to be 33 by Thursday, and it was on a Monday. What were you looking at that showed that? What was the signal that made you go, oh, damn? Um, so it was just, it was just flattening out, right? It was, so, uh, we have in the technical analysis when the support line, which is the lower line and the resistance line, which is the upper line, uh, when they start converging, right? You have a range, which is where you have a clear high and a clear low. And when, when that happens and the market starts to get that in their head, they start going, okay, the average price is somewhere in the middle. So the buyers start to accept a lower and lower price and the sellers uh, start to accept a higher and higher price or vice versa, actually. I think my brain just farted. But the I idea is it. that it becomes a triangle, turns into a pennant, and then the pennant has to break eventually, right? It has to come to the point of the triangle and break out. And what I was looking at was it was completely flat, flat or it was flattening for three weeks it just got to the point where it got completely flat. It started to move a little bit. And I said, okay, now is a good time to uh, to make one of those price calls. And it, it worked out in my favor. Yeah, it went. It didn't hit 33. Some of them don't. <laughs> it didn't hit 33, but it did go pop, pop. So as long as we're talking price, let's, let's talk price for, you know, um, a year now or more. People have been saying, oh, Bitcoin is going to go down to 10 or 12. Um, so let's go ahead. Two point two two questions in this one question one is that never going to happen now and two um what do you see us hitting for a high on the next bull run that we're expecting by late this year or early 2024 yeah so um nothing is ever impossible uh you know i think that we we saw the meme like this is your last chance this might be your last chance to buy below 20,000. Uh, I think I, I did tweet that out uh, several times and one of them actually might have been true, but we have no idea, um, right? And uh, so who knows? Like this is this is the market. Any Literally anything can happen. Um, my money is in Bitcoin. That's where I feel like, you know, uh, because I do believe in the long-term transformative potential of this technology. Um, I do believe that, digital scarcity is only found in Bitcoin. And um, something like Ethereum doesn't really recreate it uh, simply because Bitcoin's coded, uh, hard-coded into the 21 million cap. It will never be uh, replaced. You guys know this. I don't, I don't have to tell you again. Um, but I, what I do, what, what's different now is the ordinals because the NFTs that are minted on Bitcoin uh, literally are taking a Satoshi off the market. It's not the same as like Ethereum where, okay, I'm paying a bit of gas, the gas goes to the miners, but now I have 
a million NFTs, whatever I want them to look like. It doesn't matter. There is no digital scarcity. There's only the project who says, we're only going to make 10,000 of these. But they might turn around next year and say, hey, well, we need another thousand. Why? Because, well, hey, look, we voted on it. It's okay. There's no actual scarcity there. I mean, there's only a scarcity of as much as you trust the people who are uh, controlling the smart contracts. Maybe the smart contract um, is designed to ensure that scarcity. Maybe it's not. With Bitcoin, that Satoshi is off the market, right? If somebody's holding that ordinal, I mean, he could spend it without touching the ordinal, but they're basically just taking it off the market. There's that, that Bitcoin literally- That's wild. And hot. Mm -hmm. So, so there's, there's 780,000, right? That's, there's 780,000 ordinals so far. So that's not even one Bitcoin yet. I believe the number is upwards of a million by now. I think Dune Analytics is the ones who are who are keeping track of it. I think we okay. celebrated a million uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I, I grabbed a few toads under half a million because I, I feel like, I don't know, in 10 years from now, somebody's going to go, you had one of the first million, half million ordinals, right? Like, and that might be worth something to somebody someday. Um, but literally what happens is that um, it creates, because it, as soon as people understand this, people realize it, as some already have, uh, that the fact that, that digital scarcity only exists on Bitcoin, um, that's only going to put the Bitcoin mm -hmm. more in demand. And the more that goes, I mean, we've seen how, <laughs> frogs and and uh you know and and monkeys and uh tacos these type of things i don't know why cats the internet goes ooh, i like it i saw you know um a gofundme page for a potato salad which i believe hit six figures so i mean people just go well, it's really delicious that's really really good <laughs> It's like, hey, I need to make a potato salad. Anybody want to help me? And then, like, suddenly he's having a potato salad party that was like a block party or something. Yeah, yeah, it's good. We're going to talk more about ordinals in a, an upcoming episode. We've got somebody coming on that's going to uh, share some thoughts with us on that. Probably does more ahead, than me, honestly. <laughs> uh, I went ahead and I went. I minted one. I created um, I the the genesis nice. of Genesis. You know, this is our blockchain hero series. And yeah, I thought, well, what's what's more Genesis than the sketch that became the uh, the NFT? So I went ahead and and I minted this just because I could ordinal one hundred sixty seven thousand three hundred fifty three. Nice. The question is around your assertion that these ordinals are going to cause Bitcoin transaction fees to go to a thousand dollars. You just rendered Bitcoin useless. Nope, not useless. OK, not go ahead. Not useless at all. I mean, I actually what I, I was extremely upset when I when I came to this realization because I saw the blockchain starting to flood. I mean, I, we were up to like a hundred thousand unconfirmed transactions. I don't remember the number off the top of my head. Um, just as ordinals came out, and there was a rush to be like the first ordinals on Bitcoin, and the blockchain was flooded. Miners were not keeping up with the load, and. Um, Simply the transaction costs went from like pennies to like dollars. Like it went, I mean, I, I often send, you know, $15, $20 to somebody in, in, in a developing economy, right? And like um, literally, you know, it doesn't make sense to do that when it's three and a half dollars, right? It's like you're okay when it's when it's 10 cents, like, okay, who cares? It's negligible. That's Western and Union types percentages. 
And I, I, I DM'd Udi Wertheimer. I met him offline a few times. I like him. He's a bit, he's a bit weird. But I'm like, dude, what the heck are you doing with these, these wizards, dude? You're, you're flooding the blockchain. And we had this whole DM conversation in the background. And um, look, the end of the day, I, I can't stop him from doing what he wants to do. It's Bitcoin. Just like the Bitcoin maxis can't tell me how to use Bitcoin, I can't tell him. Taproot was invented. It's on the blockchain. It's in the code. People can now do these things. He's just being a capitalist, and I can't fault him for that. He tells me, uh, you should, he said, look, if you want, if you're concerned about layer one transactions, use USD stable coins on Tron. I've never used that before, but apparently it's a thing. And he says, well, you could try using Lightning Network. There are other solutions for you, sir. But the Bitcoin main chain is never going to remain cheap and easy to use as it is right now. And um, as soon as he said that, I went and bought some frogs, man. I, I guess, like, you know, you can't beat them, join them. Because, like, what the heck am I going to do? I'm going to sit here and shout till I'm blue. He's not going to stop what he's doing. Other, it's just going to fuel the fire for other people to use these ordinals. And uh, it just gets more popular. So, literally, you just... Um, just got to accept it and move on. But um, yeah, I mean, Ethereum transaction fees uh, before, you know, two successful, uh, very successful uh, so far upgrades, right? The merge and then the, uh, what was it? The Shanghai or, or whatever it was called uh, just now. Um, it was $400, $500 transaction cost to buy a stupid NFT, right? So if, if Ethereum, right, pre-scaling, reached 400 or $500, and there's no digital scarcity involved. Mm -hmm. And at the time, there was uh, an inflationary model, right, is going to reach 400 $500. I mean, I'm pretty certain that Bitcoin can can, can put that to shame. I mean, yeah. if, we do, if we do see that kind of rush to ordinals. So let me ask you this, then, because one of the things that, I've, that, that we chatted about you know, multiple times over the years is – so Bitcoin, there's 21 million Bitcoin ever. One of the things they could do is just move the decimal point. So instead of having eight decimal points for Satoshis, maybe now they have 10, maybe they have 12. And then it just makes a Satoshi worth a lot more because now that's divisible. You just want to see that happening? The scrunchy face. Did you see that? When you he was making that? scrunchy face, Mate. Yeah. I mean, you can do it in a centralized platform, right? I mean, literally, if somebody's showing you a balance, that's a fraction of a Bitcoin. And there, you know, I mean, you can you can transact. I mean, there, there, there are transactions that don't round in traditional finance. I mean, if you're with your, your bank and it happens to come out with a half a cent, I mean, maybe they'll round it off and keep it for themselves. But they could technically, you know, keep that half a cent on your balance. Um well, but, I mean, think about it. If Bitcoin becomes worth a million dollars, then one Satoshi is technically worth a dollar. And it's like, well, we need to be able to divide that further. So I think it just depends on how high the price of Bitcoin gets before the Bitcoin you know, foundation votes on that and says, well, let's just move the decimal point. Yeah. And, and, and that vote could potentially be extremely divisive. Yeah, I mean, you don't just need 51% to agree because you know that you're going to have militants fighting it and you're going right. to have blockchain Bitcoin caches and Bitcoin cash ABCs and these. And is that really worth it? And, you know, and it's going to be a, it, it could it could potentially be a war, literally, like people could die over this shit, man. So, like, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. It would require a broad consensus of mm. the entire world population and 
I don't know if you know something about people, but they don't usually agree on everything. Mm, that's the truth. Well, you okay? So there's an answer I didn't get from you, and that was calling this next bull run. I know you know you say you don't like to make predictions, but you do like to make predictions. <laughs> We're just not going to hold you to them. <laughs> you make predictions all, right, all, all right, the time. All right. So the next bull run. Um, when do you think it's officially going to start? Set a set a date range. You know, give a third. You know, give a month in year. And then, how far do you think we'll go on this next one? You got to have something in mind. Hey, I think it's already started. I mean, I'm I'm fairly certain. Like, I'm with a ninety eight percent certainty. We've seen the bottom already, right? Yeah. I mean, sixteen thousand. That's 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 pretty damn low. That start of 2023, January, taking off like a rocket. I'm pretty sure that's that's it. So but but that's, I, think, I mean, where we are now, that's not a bull run signal. Like a signal. That's like 16 what? months before the, the halving. Yeah, right? maybe so, 40K is a signal. Like what what's the actual signal that we're like, yeah, this is, we're going to the moon and this is how many dollars. You don't just want to text. Could you just message him on the day that no, it I want to know? I want to know right now. <laughs> no, I, 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 I literally, I mean, anything that I could say is just, is just an educated guess. That's fine. We'll take it. Yeah. So I think that we're about, let me share my screen again. And I'm going to use, even though I think that um, plan B is a hack uh, and his, his predictions are silly. Um, this chart does have something to it as far as the having cycle is concerned. Um, and then we're at around this where it's getting this dark green area. And if we think about 2019, that was a fake out, like a huge fake out, right? And then it, it leveled out around 10,000, stabilized around 10,000 for a while until the bit until the having started. And then the bull run really kicked off after the having. Um, but also this weirdly correlates with monetary policy, right? And it's difficult to, to tell which one's influencing which. And according to our research at quantum economics, more than the having, the number one thing uh, that really affects Bitcoin price so far has been the Federal Reserve. Mm. And when the printing presses are on, a lot of that money is being channeled into Bitcoin. And when they start pulling back and money gets scarce, um, people need to sell off their Bitcoin to pay the bills uh, and fulfill obligations and, and shit like that. So, I, I mean, literally, it can be seen. I mean, 2017, 2018, I believe, is around when Janet Yellen started, like, um, you know, pulling back uh, the, the the monetary stimulus and started leveling off, right? And then, you know, once COVID hit, they just turned the printer on, go burr, right? Mm. And all the way up. So you literally. So it looks like we're going to get to that. So if you don't know, this is stock to flow model. He's looking at buybitcoinworldwide.com slash stats slash stock to flow. You can see that over on the side. So when that so when that turns to that darker green, then it's going to turn to blue, and then all of a sudden it turns red. So yeah. is that? But it looks like from when it hits red, then it really starts taking off and going off again, like restarting or something. So I don't really fully understand that. Right. It's 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 right before it turns orange. So what happens when in, when the having uh, comes? is basically like um imagine the the, the mine the, it starts with the miners right and we're, we're setting up a, a bitcoin mining facility at the moment so you know a little bit about this um basically the the miners are getting a set reward right and they have their calculations for how much hash they're contributing how much their machines cost how much their electricity they're throwing all of these things into a big spreadsheet 
and making their calculations. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, you know it's happening in advance, but all of a sudden, that reward, that profit, that, that revenue that's coming in um, is basically cut in half. It's like um, our, our, our COO, Jason Dean, who, who's running our uh, mining operation, explained it one time in a blog at the last halving, which was brilliant. He basically goes, it's like sticking your hand in a jar of beans and just, you know, um, constantly the, the jar is full and you just stick your hand in and grab the beans out and all of a sudden the jar is pretty empty. Like the beans just aren't there anymore, right? So um, suddenly the Bitcoin starts to get scarce, right? Not the people who are hodling or the people who are selling it up. It's, the, it's where the mining rewards start to affect uh, the natural flow of the market. Okay, you're you still haven't answered my question, and I'm going to hold your feet to the fire for the third time, Mate. When and and how much? Oh, Ed- educated guess. We accept that. Can I throw this out there? Because it seems looking at that stock to flow model you just showed, it's going to be over a hundred thousand. It looks like that's like that's a no brainer. But how high would it get this time? Yeah. This for the next cycle. Well you know a billion dollars by eventually i mean last time you guys tried to ask me this i think that i might i was pretty explicit like anywhere between a hundred dollars and a million by the end of the year like it 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 can be anywhere in between yeah but you don't believe that because your money is in bitcoin for a reason because i I, because i don't believe in the dollar and i have no other alternative i believe bitcoin i believe that bitcoin over time will go up because it's the only instance of something scarce that we have other than gold and gold is not transactable so it just it only gold's definitely not scarce if they find a big ass pool of it somewhere right like they did in uganda they found a bunch of gold like whoa nice i, I got some gold coins man i, I it's it's okay i, I went dude, i feel like a pirate dude holding a bunch of gold coins you're like yard matey fucking yeah, yeah because if you the internet you? goes down bitcoin isn't gonna save you you have to have something to bargain with <laughs> yeah bullets actually you silver invest coins in bullets yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to spend a, a whole gold coin on. Here you go. I got yeah. a gold ring. This was my father's. It was one of the things. Is that a lion? Yeah, it's a lion. That, you know, if yeah. the internet goes down, that might buy, that might get you a gun, literally. You know, so um, but silver coins, I think, are a bit more transactable. If you need a loaf of bread, you don't want to give that gold coin away, right? Right, right. You got you got to have a bit of both. Maybe some diamonds also, because that'll get you out of the country. Right. So um, l- literally, you know, you got to You got to be diversified about these things. But I mean, for 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 myself, you know, a few thousand dollars, I'll, I'll stick it a DeFi because I'm playing around with it and building the system, making it better every time I'm, 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 you know, using it, you know, using using a yield, using a smart contract, making the system grow, making the system strong yeah. for for anything more than, you know, uh, 20s, 30s, 100Ks. Like you gotta, you gotta be in Bitcoin because like, it's not really much of an alternative to me. So it would seem to me looking at the chart that this go round, maybe we hit 200, 250 K, like a quarter million potentially as a potentiality. And if that's the case, then Bitcoin just did almost a 20 X, right? It did a 15 X or something. And then it comes it come back down to the 50 K range or whatever, before it goes up to the next big number, right? If it does that, it goes 50K and then comes down and then does another 15, 20X, then it hits the million. So it's like, is that within 
to because I know you know John McAfee was always joking. Oh well, if it doesn't hit a million by the end of 2020, I'm going to eat my junk. And then little little did he know, Spain was going to eat his junk. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, you know what the thing about that is, Travis, and then especially as far as influencers are concerned, whoever whoever picks the highest number wins. Yeah, you get the most bu- oh, so influencer Monty Greenspan says Bitcoin to hit two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the next bull run. Oh, oh why that, man? I'll say it's gonna hit ten billion dollars by tomorrow. Oh shit. Yeah, let's go viral. Like what the yeah, hell? Let's go viral. <laughs> well, Tim Draper does that a lot. Tim Tim is in the news a lot for making projections. Yeah. Um Both Malaz- well, that's because Malaz- he did he, he auctioned and- it. They got a whole shitload of it and was like, oh, I got it for super cheap. I really want this to be really high. I got a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, no, usually, usually, the, but but that's but that's for small time influencers. The big guys like Jamie Dimon, man, he tries to squash it so he can get it cheaper. Yeah, Jamie. <laughs> well, Mate, we appreciate you coming on. Your website is quantumeconomics.io. You guys can go sign up for a free email right there. You guys just um, did an acquisition. You know, as you say, you're playing with DeFi Revolt Network. Uh, what what is uh, what does Revolt Network do, and what does that you know lead you into now? Yeah, so uh, Revolt Network is a place to find and allocate money within the DeFi world. Um, basically, we don't uh, own the smart contracts, but we allow people to search all the smart contracts that are out there and find the highest yielding ones. Um, that, in in my mind, is the true meaning of DeFi because it's decentralized. We're actually not the broker themselves. Nobody's handing us money. We don't custody any money, but rather we're a gateway to finding uh, to finding smart contracts and liquidity pools uh, where people can, in fact, uh, earn the yield. And of course, you know this is this is a very early stage, a very early iteration of it. Um, but eventually, we basically we we add tools, and obviously, this is this is safe enough, not safe enough that I would recommend anybody put some serious money into, but you could play around with it and, 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 you know, with, you know, on small, on small money and there's no, there's no limit to how it's small. Also, there's no, because the blockchain, you can, you can literally come in with, 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 uh, with fractions. But um, the, the idea here is that we add tools to make it safer um, insurance and smart contract auditing services. I mean, those are the obvious ones. And the more, you know, a smart contract has been audited, the more you could say, wait, wait a second, it's more safe, more eyeballs, more programmer eyeballs have been on this. And the more you have insurance, the more somebody can say, okay, well, I'm willing to pay out of my profits a little, you know, a few percentages because it might blow up in my face. And if it does, I'll get my money back, right? So this is, this is in my mind, how we make DeFi stronger. And this is, in my mind, uh, the type of tool that's going to allow us to do it. I find Beautiful. that revolting, Travis. What do you think? Well, uh, you need to stack your Revas, I guess. So let me ask yeah. something like that. So is it? It's a platform. They have their own token, but you were able to acquire the company as a thing. So it's a centralized thing of some sort, but it helps people with with decentralized finance choices. Not only that, um, the uh, old uh, development team who I got it from, uh, you know, literally they they kind of sort of rugged. I mean, they they. Well, I mean, they, I would say that they ran into bear market trouble because like they were trying to get listed in South Korea and then mm. Era Luna happened. And then, I don't know, the founders started fighting. They stopped talking to the community. It's actually run as a DAO, right? So in the legal documents, when we were going through the legal documents, we realized that 
actually the DAO has to be on board with this decision. Like the DAO um, have to vote uh, to be acquired. And um, we spoke with the DAO and we actually had uh, several AMAs and people liked our vision, obviously. And uh, the vote was the vote was unanimous. Um, we had 1.4 million Rivas in favor, zero against. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, and, I would have voted against just out of principle because it doesn't need to be unanimous. That would be incredibly vindictive. Right? <laughs> that <is not laughs> That's nice. how I roll. That's good. Thank that you. That is not nice at all. You. Uh, you can follow Mate on the Twitters at Mate Greenspan, and uh, he's going to make predictions that says Bitcoin's going to be somewhere between $100 and a billion dollars. Uh, I would, I'm going to bet that he's completely accurate about that. Mate, thanks for uh, for coming on again and sharing with us, man. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. Okay, I'm not triggered anymore. That was That's good. That's so good. I'm so grateful to hear about that. This I'm is, untriggered. I was worried. I'm de-triggerfied. Mm. You know what we could do, which would be kind of fun, I noticed, like on some of these interviews, it's like, we should take a, a, a wide background image, slice it in two, and then whenever... We're there. It's gonna. It would look like like if we had that 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 uh, Earth you have behind you. And we had like one big Earth, like a big rainbow. Like we could both be on both sides of it, and it would look seamless. It would look. Oh cool. well, you're the artist. Make us a cool look. Maybe we can do one of those. I'll, I'll try to find one of those extra wide ones. Chop it in half. You get one. I get the other. Just make sure we're in the right place. Make it look cool. I'm feeling extra wide these days. That's not, good. Not, not well, you're about wide. to go on a big cruise, so you're going to come back probably wider if you don't pay attention to that. That may or may not be true. <laughs> Yep, spring vacation. Oh, it's a buffet is- again, everybody. Time for the buffet. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of things going on, gang. A lot of great content coming your way. Thank you for sticking with us. And please tell a friend about the Bad Crypto Podcast. You know, convert a phone. I, I do. Those people are like, oh, what, what show do you host? And I tell them, like, oh, I should listen. And I say, well, hand me your phone. And I take it and I go to their podcast player and I either follow or subscribe depending upon what they're using to listen. And yeah. I just, I convert them. Follow. Follow us on the Bad Crypto Podcast on the YouTubes. That's good. We like subscribers over there. That's really helpful. And a lot of our stuff is becoming more visual. So if you're a visual person, you know, tune in that way. It's kind of fun. You can, especially if you got a smart TV, we were doing a lot of cool stuff with that. So it's because we get more attractive the older we get. So we're I tell you what, I'm debonair as fuck. I don't know if you know that or not. Suave debonair AF. Suave and deboner. Well, and then <laughs> I would say uh, Joel is pretty swasse. I'm bad. That is a 1980s uh, flex term right there. Don't you wish your boyfriend was swasse like me? Swasse. And then, and then somebody else redid that song later, but it was Swass, Sir Mix-a-Lot. It's an early Sir Mix-a-Lot song before Baby Got Back, matter of fact. Okay. So things you know. I, things I did know. not know, and now I, did, now I do know, and now you know, and I know that you're going to do something for us, and you're going to stay bad. Stay bad. Stay Swass. Stay Swass. Bad
Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.